Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Mark. I've got a different start today. I want to start off with a tip straight in there, which is if you're listening to a, a podcast, if you're listening to a webinar or a video, and they start started off by saying, hey, what's up? Push stop. That's my tip for today. Never, ever listen to business advice from somebody who starts it by saying, what's up? How's that for a tip? Is that is that like how <laughs> the rest of the 20, 30 minutes is going to be like today? <laughs> just, just one minute, right? Well, one of my colleagues said, he said, I've been listening to your podcast. I thought, oh, that's good. Good. He said, and um, you, you and Michael, you've got this laid back style where you take time to get sort of warmed up and you have a bit of chat and then you start giving advice. So I thought I'll come in straight hard with a bit of advice. How about that? He's right. Within you know, the you first should, five should, seconds. It's like the one lesson they teach you if you go on LinkedIn and you post messages. And here is my tip. Yeah. The first sentence should be like uh, the, the, the most important one should be like almost a conclusion. Normal people write a text and the last sentence is like the most important. So if you go LinkedIn and some of these communications, you have to take that sentence and start with it. So you're like straight away because you get one line and a picture. That's it. Or a movie and, and people just drop off. True. Absolutely. I think that I think where people get confused, though, is that they think every bit of communication should be like that. You imagine if you're meeting if you imagine if you're meeting somebody and, um, you know, I have lots of meetings in London and and it's in a nice setting. You sit down and you have a drink with somebody and you start off by saying, well, what I do is and you go straight into it. People don't tend to do that, do they? They do have a bit of a warm-up. They do want to know a little bit about you as an individual and then a bit about the company, the background, and they want to talk a little bit about themselves. You're sort of, it's a bit like a, I suppose it's a bit like a, the early rounds of a boxing match, isn't it? You're sort of sizing each other up. If you imagine if you just went straight in with, this is what I sell, and we do it for, you know, 50,000. For 50,000, you can get this. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's the way you do it in Belgium. Yeah. Ah, well, no, no. You know, Belgium's... Let's not go there, Mark. Let's go to something else. I was in a company this week. Uh, I did two... uh, I, I onboarded two clients. And the way I do it is I basically... I basically sit down and I say to the CEO, you just arrange me, all of your sales guys, your marketing team, the product, everybody you can imagine that has something important to say, and you give them half an hour to me. One day, half an hour slots, one after the other. And you start as a CEO, we end with you as a CEO, and in between, I see all of these people. And basically, when the people walk in, I say, you don't need to worry, I'm not hired to kill you, because they're always nervous. Yeah. and then I told, tell them, I said, look, this is the day to tell me all your shit and all your chaos and everything you have. Just throw it at me. What you don't like, what you like, just go. And I don't steer the conversation or anything. I just listen. 
and then amazing stuff happen. You feel that sometimes really negative ones. Sometimes people, their their bucket is overflowing and they just are happy. Some uh, to to basically dump all their stuff at you, and then in one day you get to know so much of a company, it's ridiculous. And then of course it's picking out short term and longer term um, uh, tips. So to, to this week I was in a very interesting company. You know, you and I we keep talking about engineers and the CEO, the founders. They have a big impact on how the company structured. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And um, so this was a company in three years' time. Went from two engineers who built I can't say what some 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 technology. Let's say an SDK, like a toolkit. Yep. And we're two years and a half. Never raised any money. Sixty people making lots of money. And now organically grown, didn't want to hire senior guys, like kind of start with a lot of juniors because didn't want to spend money, a classic one. And now the whole thing is, is you know, going, it's in pieces, it's not connected, it's, it's a mess, right? It's a mess, but it's a good mess. I told them, don't worry, we can untangle it, but it needs a lot of structure. And you see classic founders that cannot let go, they check everything, so they are becoming the bottleneck. I mean, it's like a textbook problem that you see a lot so imagine so so let me give you like two three things and then you can have a go at it mark let's do this game i like this game all right so uh one i'm warming up there yeah sales is uh the the product uh they real uh, so one product they only have one they're working in the background the second one they focus mainly on small customers with a lot of uh recurrent recurrent revenue but small amounts sure they have big issues delivering um, services because they're all over the place. Lots yep. of the large engineering team, but all over the place. Sales, they hire two really, really senior guys sitting, uh, let's say, abroad. Uh, hunter types don't like to fill in CRM. They build an inbound machine. Uh, pretty good, actually. Really, really good. But handover is one big mess. Yep. So you feel there's a lot of friction. Um, hire two senior guys. There's one is the, the the channel manager, and the channel manager first thing he says to me, "I need somebody, <laughs> Michael. I need to." So there is too many people working in this company. Uh, second thing mm. he says to me, "I need to hire somebody to do my job because I need to do strategy." Yeah, you, my, that's something you need to tell me like that. Then I'm like, mm-hmm. seriously. <laughs> so, what what would you say? What would you go? What would you fix? Or how, how would you go about? I know I'm not giving you many variables. <laughs> I don't know the company name and I can't look at any of the information. Um, I I look at the the big picture, first of all. I think that's the most important thing, is really trying to understand what is this company all about, right at the core. Yeah, I know they're a, I know they're a software vendor and they're, they're selling a SaaS model, but what is it they're there to do? Where is... Where is their core strength? What What would you say is their core strength? Don't say being a software vendor because that's it's it's what what what's right at the essence within that business. Uh, they've written an algorithm that speeds up um, things. Let's call it like that. But to be really ridiculously good. Right. Okay. And 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 it's being used by tons of A players in the world at this stage. Tons of A players. Yes. Like very large media large, companies are using it, but really famous companies. large media companies. Okay. But yet, even to very large media companies, their big deal is still 
50, 60K per year. All right. Okay. All right. See? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, where, without actually looking at the business and asking you more questions that would identify who your client is, I would want to know their backstory. I'd want to know where they came from because, you know, we've mentioned this a number of times, who those founders are or who that founder is mm -hmm. creates the profile of that business nine True. times out of 10. And True. That, that can be a positive and a negative. It can be both. Yeah. It can be both. But I think what I like to start from is where where is their key skill strength? They're hardcore engineers for me. Yeah. But in what area? Writing code and, 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 and especially writing code. Let's say it like that. But it, it, what is it in a particular? Have you seen, although they a lot of companies are selling lots of different vertical sectors, um, is there a particular sector that they know very, very well? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in okay. what they do, uh, the media, let's say the media, what, yeah. they're really, okay. really good. And I mean, it, this is world-class things they're making. It's really, really high-end, really good. I mean, otherwise, these very big brands would never bet like live productions on it. Let's yeah. say it like that. It's like live stuff. So it's really high-end. Okay, so I think it's, what it, I would it sounds like uh, <laughs> like a Greek uh, story here. You don't really know, you know. And then his mother is married to a unicorn, <laughs> by the way. And... <laughs> That's very appropriate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I, I think without without asking you too many questions that identifies the company, I think I would really want to dig down and and get some focus in, and probably also get some very good. Um, customer examples of where their products being used, where they can see the best case examples of why their product is really valuable. And then like, I'd like to try and get a feel for the real value that it's delivering. And I yep. think I, I'm picking up potentially, and remember, bear in mind, I'm doing it from very few facts here. I would say that you've got hunter salespeople, um, are, who you say are good, right? If they're good, you mean you mean that they're good at hunting. They're not necessarily good at the farming part, although some can be. But these guys are hunter types, which is a, yeah. is an asset because there are probably fewer really good hunter type salespeople than than the farmer. But my concern is is the small value that they've got to their software. So I would want to have a look at in precisely in what sector or sectors is their product provide the best, the most leverage. I would yeah. want to understand what that value is. I would have one more, I want to try and work that through in my head. So I've got a feeling of what benefit would the customer really get from this? And yeah. then in order for the customer to benefit from it, what obstacles do they need to overcome? Because I think a lot of a lot of the this is where a lot of software vendors go wrong is that they think their job is to write software and chuck it out there into the marketplace, yeah. you know. And diff, this with this word about I'm I'm going to differentiate myself. I want to talk about that later because so much crap spoken about that. Really, really, really. Um, but I think is understanding the real value and then understanding that the path that that client once they've once they've found this customer. What, the, what are the steps they have to go through in order to realize that money? Um, 
But I think from what you're saying, you're talking about a company that has got technology of value. They're very good at the engineering. Um, they're able to speed things up, which is always, you know, it's make yourself more efficient, you know, cost effective, make, make your, enable your customer to do it faster. Mm -hmm. But the type of companies, it sounds like that they, their product is highly deal, aimed at could probably pay more than 50 or 60,000. Voila. So I kind of, so I agree with you. So I aimed, I'm aiming the gun at, at a few things. One, the product, they need to slice and dice it so they can upsell to existing customers, right? Because they don't know exactly what has the most value because I have the feeling they can ask a lot more for what they do. That, that's one. But you need to pre-frame your pricing to do that. Two, um, I also have a feeling that they get stuck with very large customers because they didn't realize that very large customers always want some custom work. See? So they've tried to every smaller so they don't make a difference between small and big they treat every customer as the same which yep. is another problem sure. and then they don't realize if you're a big player and you say i'm going to give you a million or two million or whatever you're going to do whatever they want right you have to find a way to give professional services structure that properly and not try to change the product for every single customer that's a classic i see right so yes. so we need to set up the ps and we need to also learn yes and and learn sales to say no because now they say yes on everything and that's the big problem so what yeah. i'm going to do is i'm going to tell the sales you all of you for the next five months you get one large customer and we will do everything for it but you get one so place your bets properly see that kind of style so they have to think about what they're doing and then there is some friction with uh, purely sales on CRM and, and how do you get from yes. inside sales to CRM. I need to look into that properly. Well, you've got, to then, make, you've got to make that CRM a tool for those hunter salespeople so that yes. they can do a better job with it exactly. than without it. And that's exactly. the answer. It's as simple. And then I come to a point that we discussed last time. It's the way leadership approaches the whole thing. So they have a delegation issue, for sure. Very clear. Uh, that's hard to solve. You know how that goes. Uh, it's yeah. a trust thing. Uh, there are several things why that's not happening. That That's something I, I, I mean, we need to spend some time. And then the second thing is I told them in a very easy way to fix this is to ask those, I said, who makes the plan? Yeah, I've been thinking about the vision and the mission. And I said, yeah, but why don't you, you hire these people? They're, they're pretty good. Let them make a plan. Very simple, two, three slides. So I provide actually a template, two, three slides. That's it. What? How would you do this? And I want them to, to take the ownership because they ask for that responsibility. And then you basically follow up. So you cut the big planning for pieces uh, a year and then every every month. I'm not talking about the financials. That's, that's later. That's another story. Mm -hmm. And then I ask them to report on it every month. And then they have to give like a status, a conclusion, and they have to make the one slide. I always say it's one slide, and I want it visual. And the reason it's visual is because it 70% of people are visual. It yeah. draws your attention. And then I, I, I do it a bit like the McKinsey, you know, with the red light system. I have three columns, and yeah. I say one is all about done, achieved, and you put it in. And then next, next to the done is the next steps on that topic. Uh, for instance, I need to fine-tune CRM. I need to add a category. I need to test, blah, blah, blah. And then I have a, a, a red one. It's called challenges. And, and typically what happens is when you do that, everybody in the blink of an eye has seen, okay, that's done. 
we need to do the next step. And everybody starts focusing on the next step and the challenges. And that, that drives a company. It's alignment and, and it, mm. it, it pushes this next step and it pushes the activity up. And that's yes. something I want, movement. If you get yes. stuck, start moving. Yeah. You feel bad, start moving. Things will be fine. Yeah. But just move. Make a decision, move. What, what you're doing there is, is you, you used exactly the right word, alignment. It yep. sounds yeah, like yeah, you've, yeah. Got a, you've got a business there. And re- bearing in mind, I think any software tech business of any size, you're going to have some strong characters in there. You're going to have people with uh, some really good skills, experience, um, well-educated people, intelligent people. And yeah, they're yeah, going to absolutely. have their own ideas and ways of doing things and their own methodologies. And, and the <laughs> one thing I, I'm always checking when I have these, all these people talking is I want to figure out, even if they complain a lot, are they loyal or not? Are they complaining because they see me as the savior? Then it's okay if they just complain because, you know, they're, they're just not nice people. And so, but in this company, I mean, it was a really, really loyal bunch and they really love the company. They just want to fix it, right? It was pure frustration of let's fix it, which is a very good sign. I, I love that, right? Yes. That's okay. Everybody needs to be able to sometimes offload their stuff to somebody yeah, else. That's a really right. good point, actually. Just you, You've made me realize something is actually – when I go into organizations like this and you can you can talk to those people, it tell it can tell you so much so quickly because you come in with an objective pair of eyes from the outside. You get a feel quite quickly from, from what's going on within the organization, even in the language that they use, the words that they use, not just what they're saying, you can tell from the body language, you can tell from their them their whole tonal demeanor you can tell from the words and the phrases that they use is where there's alignment and where there's friction within that organization and that tells you a lot and, it, yeah. and, it, and also the things that they focus upon yeah that also tells you a lot about and that business the other thing I, I try to figure out it's not only frustration i always ask them so what what do you love to do because it's always the same thing what you love you will do well and you will spend a lot of time it doesn't feel like work that's so a lot of people sometimes they're just not doing what they love and it's it's tough it means it, you're the wrong person to do this because you will not it's good for a month or a, well, let's say yes. for six months or a year but eventually it's going to lead to disaster i exactly right I, I mean i i i sort of frame that idea in right people sitting in the wrong seats i see that so often in software companies but very if you're talented small people teams, doing the wrong thing yeah, but the thing is always the same. If you're small teams, it's hard to move people around and you kind of need to. That's why when, when, when companies grow, they go from startup to scale up to bigger and bigger. That's when suddenly the people start changing because no, you need different no, type I, of people. Or I, no, I don't, I don't mean that. No, no, no. Ah, I, no, okay. no. Because I understand that because I think when you first start, I know companies that have started and there are software and it's one person or two people. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're going to have somebody for marketing, somebody for finance, you know, somebody for sales. You can't do that in those early stages, and you've got to have people in there who can be a little bit jack of all trades. They they can mm-hmm. turn their hands to different things. Now, what I'm talking about are more more sizable companies that have got lots of employees, but because quite often this will happen because of the the uh, focus or the profile of the founder i.e. he came from a financial background, then you'll get his second in command is a finance guy. And he will he his title may not say it may say just finance or he might be 
chief operating officer, but I bet he gets involved in making a lot of the marketing decisions. And yeah, he's yeah, rubbish at it. It's rubbish. And he'll make he'll make decisions about sales and he's rubbish at that as well. He's never you done it in his life. You know how I know I have one of those guys? It's classic the guy that talk, keeps talking about data. Data, data, data. I need more data, data. I need to make a sp- I need to make a decision and it's really interesting. I mean, a, a marketing sales guy will also need data, but it's a different way of phrasing, pushing for that. It's very weird. And, I, and, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I've got, I've got a theory on this and this, this tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me if you think, if you think I'm right on this. So, yeah. so you get a finance guy. I'm, I'm just picking yeah. on finance. All right. Of course. So you get a finance. <laughs> <laughs> it's because these of us are finance guys. That's the reason for that. So you get a finance guy and he's put sort of second in command and he's given the title of chief operating officer because the founder, he, he can relate to finance people. He, you know, he knows how these guys think. So he thinks finances, they're great people, you know, so we're, we're making chief operating officer and he gets involved in sales. And when you go to see him, He's he's always got this opinion that actually his salespeople just can't sell because, you know, he's got a few concepts. He's spoken to a few salespeople. He might have read a couple of sales books, you know, 20 years ago. And he's got a few concepts in his head that he's managed to turn into a mental model of selling. And he'll say mm-hmm. to you, selling's easy. You just got to turn up. You've got to knock on doors. You've got to be presentable and you've just got to tell them, you know, what it is you're selling and, and don't waste time on people who aren't prepared to pay the money. And these sales, but they just don't get it. And he said, you know, or if it's marketing, you'll say, well, you just got to differentiate. I hate this word. This. Just differentiate yourself and you've just got to grab the attention and, and speak clearly to these people. That That is about the depth of his knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. but then he will get involved in making decisions in the area of marketing and sales, way beyond his knowledge and experience, way beyond. Yeah. And if we, yeah. I've got this saying about, so if you turn this around, let's have, for every decision that you make in sales, let's have a salesman who's gonna come into finance and work in finance for the day, for, for a day, and, and start doing a few things in some of your financial programs. We do a swap, <laughs> let's do that. Or we're gonna get a marketing guy to come in and he's going to do your job for a day. See how that works. Or, the, or, the, or where you get the company that's very technically biased. Let's get a marketer because of technical people. We were saying last week about having technical people who cre- create some of the marketing collateral or have massive input or they design the demonstrations that are going to be shown to the customer. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the time, technical people... They feel comfortable being technical people because they don't have to deal with other people. <laughs> they're not the customer-facing sort. They're, they're comfortable hiding behind a computer, some of them, yeah. yet they make decisions about that interface. So let's get somebody from marketing to come and do some programming, some coding on some of your live software for a day. Let's see how that, how that works. Let me try that one because I'm really curious to see the reaction. I think on one end they'll do like, yeah, yeah, I get the point. Or they'll say, yeah, but Michael, you said you would get the deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying to you go out and present it in quite the same way that I just presented it to you just now. But, but you get the point. Whatever happens, Mark, I'm going to blame you. Take your picture. Yeah, with this guy on the podcast. Send him an email. <laughs> So, so with your with your with your customer that you're working with, 
customer X, you're going to get alignment. You're going to get systems and processes in place yeah. and you're yeah. going to get them with some clear goals and objectives. Yes. Yeah. And clean up whatever. Do they, have, do they have the opportunity to sell at a higher level? Yes, because, absolutely. Yeah. I think they're not, they, they, they never realized that, that something, basically. and we talked about this a lot, they never realized um, the fact to big customers, they, and they actually the big customers want it, that it's going to take a bit longer and that you need to structure what you're doing. You need to say to them, guys, it's change management. We're going to take you from there to there, and this is how it goes. They've never done it. I, that's my feeling. So I told them, I said, I want to go, I want to be in a call to one of these guys. I want to see how you would present this to me. And then I know straight away, most of the time, what, what's happening. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a good question to ask them. Get them in a room and say to them, what's, you say the, the highest value they're selling at the moment is sort of 60,000, roughly? Yeah. yeah. Get them in a room and say, as from tomorrow, your minimum sales value is 120,000. How are we going to do it? The way to do it, by the way, when I do an interview with new, so I'm also interviewing a lot of senior executives in sales to hire for several companies. I'm just in the flow. One of the questions I always ask them is if the target is 2 million, how would you get to 10 million? What do you need? And then you immediately see if you have the right flesh in the room because yeah. they will, they can't do it with the existence. So one, it's always hiring. Two, there's a lot of push and marketing. And, and you start thinking differently. Uh, yeah. Large account, da, 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 da. and if I don't hear that, I know as a guy, it's going to be good sales, but this is not a leader. Right? So I think, that's, I think that's I think I think that's a great way of doing it because it, it sets their sights higher. It doesn't yeah. mean that they necessarily can achieve those sights, but it's interesting to see how it frees up their thinking. Yeah. And and I think one of the things I've I've got an example um, from work that I've been doing the last few weeks where I can see a company that has restricted its own thinking by the way that it thinks about itself, the way they yeah. think about their own company. And I, I, was, I was thinking the other night, I've, I've always been quite keen on psychology, is actually this applies to individuals as well. We behave in a certain way because of the stories we tell ourselves. Sure. In, in, sure. in all of the different areas. So what I mean by that is there are people that I've come across and they say to me, not necessarily explicitly, but in different ways, they would say, I'm a really unlucky person. You know, I, luck doesn't really come my way. They yeah, behave that's, that's, in a way that's in, in accordance with that story. And guess what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, I've, my son, from a, an early age, his name's Luke, and we always used to refer to him as Lucky Luke. And as a consequence... He's always done well in competitions and he's won lots of things. And the reason for that is, A, he will probably enter more competitions because he thinks that the outcome is going to be more positive. Secondly, when he enters those competitions, he, he enters it with that higher goal, what we've just been talking about, objective. And he enters it with confidence in believing that he's very likely he's going to win. Does it mean that he wins every time? No, but in order to win a competition, you know, as the Americans say with the baseball analogy, you've got to stand on the plate and you've got to swing. And I think somebody who's, un somebody who's unlucky won't go and stand there because they think, well, I'm not going to win. What's the point? But the same, and the reason I'm saying this is the same thing is true about the corporate story, the corporate narrative. 
most of the time software tech businesses don't have a corporate narrative they don't even understand what a corporate narrative is and they won't well put one in place because they don't see the importance of it and actually it is right at the very core of your success or not because that story would help to align the people within the company and it gives you focus it is about who you are and how you go about being who you are as well that's that's another really important thing is it's who you are and and what you do is how you go about it because it doesn't necessarily mean that it you are just a software vendor In you fact, know mark you know what we miss mark now we miss this background build-up music yes with, with symbols and violence and we, need, and, uh, we need we um, need <laughs> Space, space odyssey music. You, you need a stage, Mark. This is stage stuff, what you're saying. I mean, this is, I, I love it. Eh? It's exactly right. And I agree. And by the way, in sales, I see exactly the same. It's the sales narrative. I, I mean, and typically, that, I love yeah. this stuff because it, it, it really is so important. It's right at the core. I mean, my job, my job is to make software CEOs and shareholders more successful. Yeah. And if you focus on that, really focus on it, then it makes everything else a lot simpler. It's the same for yourself. You know your job. You know why. You know what you're there to do. That you've got a story that you tell yourself about who you are and why you're there. That's what works. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I start my speeches with sales. Is like swimming in the lake of rejection, and Mark. And then if you know that and you realize that and you realize it's not even swimming, you can stand up on it and walk away from that, then you're fine. But you have to believe in it. Yes. The other thing I do, by the way, if I just look at that and, I, you know, I just told you the slide stories and I'm listening to you is one of the things I tell a lot of these leaders is that, look, what you will watch every day, you will focus on and you will change. So that's why I always reduce all the type of KPIs they have and make it one to three maximum. Yes. And I show that to them like every two days. Dang, 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 dang. And after a while, if for instance one is zero, and if the goal is I need to have more meetings with large corporates, whatever, and in the beginning I just leave the zero. I don't say anything. I just show it the whole time. And after a while they get so nervous with it, they'll start changing it. I do that a lot with sales teams. Basically mm-hmm. I just show. Don't even say something because they know. And then after a while you can move a whole machine. Show it every every. It's like the division stuff. If you keep repeating, that's what we're gonna go. People will follow. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit like it's driving a car, isn't it? In in the car, you've got your your dashboard in front of you, and you're shown quite a bit of information. But at any one time, you're seeing relatively few things compared to the what information you could be shown. But yeah. that information is relevant to your job at that time of driving the car amazing mainly it's around it's around speed um if you were shown too much information that become an overload and it could actually deteriorate your driving ability because you spend too much of your too much of your brain would be taken up in looking at that dashboard but you do need some information and i think yeah. where your skill is is identifying what information is key Key, key performance indicators, not just performance indicators. No. That's the difference, so, isn't it? So, Mark, a son and a dad go outside. Is this going to be a joke or a question? No, it's a serious <laughs> story. It's a serious story. And the dad has a gun, like you know these guns that you shoot on the on the on the 
how do you call that? Like uh, you can shoot these little pipes uh, on the kermis. I don't know how you that. Like you go with your kids to blow this split. Blow yeah, pipe. That, yeah, a blowpipe. Yeah, a blowpipe, exactly. So you have this gun, you know, small gun. So the dad says to his son, come, I'm going to teach you how to shoot. And he says, in, in the meantime, I'm going to teach you the most important lesson in your life. So the dad takes the gun, puts in a little bullet, and he shoots. Says, you see the apple there, 30 meters further, pops straight into the apple. Son says, damn, dad, you're good. And he says, now I'm going to teach you the real professional version of this. And he takes a, a, a handkerchief and he Try ties it around his head and he doesn't see anything. Blindfold. Loads the gun, yep. yeah, blindfold. Loads the gun and just shoots anywhere, anywhere around it. Completely wrong. And the son says, "Ha ha, Dad, come on, you you completely missed it. You didn't even try." And he said, "No, son, that was the lesson. If I'm not watching at my target, I cannot shoot at it." Right. Yeah. No joke, huh? I tell you, no. not a joke. I was at a baseball game. And it was the guys from uh, St. Louis, the Cardinals, who actually went to win the World Series that year. But I was in the the most boring game of the whole century, I think. (laughs) And nothing happened. And people walked around and they kept bringing me buckets of light beer. You know, Belgium guys have a problem with light beer. It's kind of like tea for us, right? (laughs) Right comparison. (laughs) And after a while, I started asking the people, why do you drink light beer, actually? And they go, oh, my God. Then we can drink more beers ah, because the game takes six hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd actually wondered that myself. I mean, I've been to a couple of American football games and yeah. uh, I've seen that. And this, I'm, I'm not a fan of light beer. I must admit, I must be fairly uh, similar to yourself in that respect. But uh, so why do they want to drink more beer? I know idea. Consumption. They just, have, they just have to get out of their seat more. But it's strange, they're all running around. I mean, I went to a cricket game that took three days. That was also an experience for me. I still don't understand the game at all. <laughs> it was weird. It's just different. It just is, yeah. Different. Yeah, I've got, I've got an idea. I've got something written down for, for once, actually. One of the notes for that once. I've written down, I'm actually going to introduce into the podcast because normally I write down a few things and then we start talking and I don't mention any of them. But this one, last week, I think it was, we introduced a new word. I like to introduce things that I know there's no one on this podcast will know what the hell I'm talking about, but it might just stick in their head. We spoke about punctum and we're talking about doing a demonstration on having a punctum, something that really stands out and sticks in the memory, something that makes people sit up. And we explained a bit about the background of that. I've got a new word for you. You won't have heard of this, Michael. Okay. Tell me. Mixang. M-I-K-S-A-N-G. Never heard of it. Really, really important. It's actually a Tibetan word. And it's to do with seeing clearly a seeing eye. And, And how I apply that in the software sector is to go into that organization and to really look you know, like we were saying about all of those things, you come in with an objective view, is to really look at that business to see what is this company all about? What mm-hmm. is at their core? Declutter it. Take away all of the noise. Take away all of the chatter. And look what's really deep down in their DNA and build up the, from there. And I think that's a really valuable thing to do in any organization. It can absolutely transform companies. So for my, my word for uh, 
for this week is Mixang, M-I-K-S-A-N-G. Look it up, you will see it, you'll see it, it actually relates, it's been picked up in the photography world um, for clarity of, of vision, but actually it, it's it's much bigger concept than that. It's, it's about having that clarity of sight in wherever you may be looking and removing the unnecessary, making a decision as to what you exclude in order to find what's at its real core. And when you can do that on a software business, it makes a massive difference. That's, a, that's, that's worth thousands of pounds, that one tip there, Michael, don't you think? <laughs> Ten thousands of pounds. Ten thousands of pounds, exactly. I like to think in euros, but uh, I'll probably <laughs> for once. Yeah, I'm British, you know, we don't, we don't think in other languages, we don't think in other currencies. <laughs> we like no, that. True. We've been going 36 minutes, so oh, that's that's pretty good. That's enough value for that's today, enough. isn't that's it? There's so much value in that. How much do we charge now for this podcast? It must oh, be I up to a couple of thousand a week, isn't it? A couple it? of thousands. God, of thousands. so much value in there, guys. Again, I've I've had some more feedback this week about the podcast, which is really nice. Um, I had somebody saying to me that the, the podcast has become a bit of an obsession for them. They've been re listening to it avidly. Um, so, which is really nice, yeah, genuinely, yeah, that, that, nice. just this week. But um, I also said, um, I'd like to hear about specific topics. I'd like a challenge, actually. We, we're sort of challenging each other, aren't we, with these questions. Absolutely. Throw some challenges at us, or questions, problems that you're seeing within your company that you've been struggling with. The benefit that we have is that we've worked with lots and lots and lots of companies. It's not that we're at Einstein. It's just and it's, and it's free advice. It, well, relatively <laughs> <laughs> It would be on this podcast. Absolutely. Brilliant. Good to speak to you this morning. On a Saturday morning, we're doing it again. Crazy, it's, isn't it? It's, it's, it's me. It's me this time. It is, yeah. I'll forgive you just, this week, but next just week. Just blame the Belgium. Yeah, next week. No weekends. We're not working on weekends. So get yourself organized. Okay. All right. Good to right. speak. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.